Hi, I'm Linda Oberhoff with the Oberhoff Farms in Washington, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the NCBA says no to mandates. At the recent cattle industry convention in Houston, the nation's largest cattle organization said they do not want the government to mandate what types of arrangements they have for buying and selling cattle. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There will be a lot of forage produced by Texas High Plains farmers this season. But water concerns could influence what type of forage is grown. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Knowing the intended use of newly purchased rural land. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Net farm income in 2022 could likely be lower than a year ago. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association took a stand against legislation that mandates packers buy a certain percentage of fed cattle on the cash market. The NCBA's Live Cattle Marketing Committee approved that stance here at the Cattle Industry Convention in Houston. Arthur Uhl is first vice president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. No one is in favor of mandates. Mandates as far as forced types of transaction. Everyone is for producer choice, producer flexibility, producer, you know, ability to to pursue whatever marketing tools, whatever marketing methods they wish to pursue. What I think uniformly the industry does not want, all segments, is more and more government intervention into the way that we do business. Uhl says the resolution passed the committee unanimously, which is quite an accomplishment. You know, we're a segmented industry with some differing interests, and to be able to come together with different parts of the industry and have a joint resolution that we received a big consensus, I thought was, I think it's healthy for the industry overall. Robbie Kirkland owns Kirkland Feed Yard in Vega, Texas. He says that was the right call to make. We didn't want government mandating what we could or couldn't do. 
Um, now, we set up some directives. There's a lot of good discussion. There was a lot of kind of debate back and forth. But at the end of the day, I think we walked out with wanting to, to get NCBA direction to lobby against any kind of mandates, but yet continue to monitor and see what's going on within the marketing, make sure that we do have you know transparency and price discovery, but yet no government mandates. The bill mandating the cash trade was written by Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Grassley says it's unlikely the bill will be advanced in the Senate for now because there's no major piece of legislation to attach it to. Since there's no agreement between Republicans and Democrats on exactly what should be in the final omnibus bill, there seems to be a general certainty, at least expressed this week in the small groups I've been in, that it's going to kick the can down the road for a short period of time or a long period of time that nobody's determined yet. All of this coming on the heels of an announcement this week that Meatpacker JBS is agreeing to a $52.5 million settlement over allegations of beef price fixing. The NCBA asked the government to investigate discrepancies in the beef markets back in 2019 after the Tyson plant fire in Holcomb, Kansas. There will be a lot of forage produced by Texas High Plains farmers this year, but James Hunt tells us water concerns could influence what type of forage is grown. As we've talked about previously, a lot of Texas High Plains farmers have found new opportunities in forage production due to high demand from our expanding dairy industry. But with planting time approaching, Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says, As we think about forage options for this year, I do think that our livestock producers and farmers who are growing for livestock producers are going to have to be very aware of our extreme drought. And coupled with the drought, of course, are concerns about reductions in well capacities and can producers meet the crop water demand. The last time that we were in a drought of this magnitude, many producers had the well capacity to meet the crop water demand, and so they did not suffer under irrigated conditions as much crop loss as they are now experiencing because they don't have the irrigation capacity to make up for the lack of rainfall. So with the acknowledgement that our recent snow events, although welcome, have by no means broken the drought, Dr. Bell told me that for forage producers, this season a switch might be in order. You and I have talked in the past about corn silage and corn silage being the silage of choice, but forage sorghums are becoming increasingly important for our regional producers. Forage sorghums, they can make the tonnage, but they also have the ability to withstand periods of heat stress a little better, periods of water stress a little better. They essentially can just shut down. And just due to different physiological attributes of that crop, they are very well adapted to our limited irrigated production systems. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Purchasing rural land in Texas for the first time can be a challenge. Tom Nicoletti says there are several things a first-time purchaser should be aware of. First-time buyers of rural land in Texas have a number of issues to address before finalizing a land purchase. On our last program, we talked about land location. Today, Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP explains the importance of people knowing ahead of purchasing rural land how the property will be utilized. 
with such limited inventory, people are having to make choices really fast. And uh, just because it's such a seller's market, the reality is, is that you really need to sit down and maybe even in writing, make notes for yourself as to how you intend to use the property and then seek some advice on what do I need in that land specifically to accommodate that use. And so if it's if I'm just looking for a place for my kids and grandkids to gather, well, then, you know, within my geography of where I can be, you know, what are my options as far as land types and land classes? Or if I'm going to I'm buying a weekend place that already has a house, knowing, OK, well, how far am I from a, a nice grocery store? And it's just about making sure you, you you've thought through how you want to use the property. And that'll make ensure that you buy the right piece of property to fit you. There's always specialties, horses, cattle, livestock, timber, hunting, investment. You know, we've got all these different classifications as to how we're going to use these properties. And they are such major investments that how you're going to use it is very important. That is Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall LLP in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Net farm income for 2022 could likely be lower than a year ago. Gary Joyner has more. Net farm income for U.S. agriculture in 2021 was its highest level in eight years. A quick dive into the numbers explains why. Rising commodity prices and strong worldwide demand helped fuel the rise in income, but so did government payments in the form of ad hoc disaster assistance. These programs were often linked to the pandemic. 24% of net farm income last year is associated with this assistance. The American Farm Bureau Federation's says the outlook for 2022 depends on a range of market issues. Among them, will agricultural trade continue to grow? China is a big part of answering that question. Our country's phase one agreement with China has ended. Whether the U.S.'s elevated agricultural trade with China continues beyond their phase one commitments remains to be seen. And then there's the dramatic rise in the cost of inputs. High fertilizer prices, increasing more than 300% in some areas, and increased prices of other inputs like crop protection chemicals and land values, which increased 7% in 2021 compared to 2020, are tightening what could have been above break-even profit margins. There's also labor and transportation concerns that could increase cost. And it's also uncertain whether more pandemic-related assistance might be made available. It all adds up to likely less net farm income for U.S. agriculture than a year ago. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Another invasive species now threatens Texas lakes. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you're a cattle producer, you do not want to see a downed cow. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week, coming up March 21st through the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture, 
and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational, accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then, submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you're in the cattle business, you do not want to see a down cow. Dr. Bob Judd says treating down cows is not very rewarding. And not only is the rancher upset when a down cow is found, but your veterinarian also does not like seeing these cases because it is so difficult to get these cows to respond to treatment and get up. There are many causes of down cows, from milk fever to grass tetany to trauma to leg injuries. Many times the vet will be unsure as the physical exam and blood work is normal. And we do not know why some cows go down and will not get up. Dr. Shaw Perrin from Ohio State indicates at bovineveterinarian.com that the situation should be treated as an emergency, and at least three adults will be needed to safely move the down animal. A good physical exam must be performed by your veterinarian with blood work to try and determine why she is down. For example, if she has a broken leg, immediate euthanasia is the best and most humane option. Since many of these cows go down in the pasture, getting them to a covered barn is ideal. Bring them feed and water and place them in a soft bedded area. Sleds, harnesses, and bucket loaders can be used to move a cow, but be careful not to injure them further. It is a good idea to give an injection of banamine for pain control. Dexamethasone can reduce pain and inflammation, but will cause abortion in pregnant animals. The down cow should be treated for the primary condition that caused her to go down, if it can be determined. It is important to not encourage cows to rise on a slippery surface and to not use abusive methods to encourage her to rise, like high-pressure water or hot shots. Also, never drag a cow by her head or neck And if the cow is not responding by eating and drinking in 24 hours, euthanasia should be considered. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Another invasive species now threatens Texas lakes. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. A relative of the zebra mussel that up until now has not been seen in Texas has been found in the International Amistad Reservoir in the Rio Grande Basin along the Texas-Mexico border near Del Rio. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, National Park Service staff found the invasive quagga mussel in the reservoir. It is the first time that the mussel has been found in Texas and the first time that any invasive mussel has been found in the Rio Grande Basin. Monica McGarity, TPWD's senior scientist for aquatic invasive species, said this finding is a very unfortunate first for Texas. She said the quagga mussels are able to settle on soft substrates like mud or sand and on hard surfaces like rock or infrastructure, meaning that they can colonize more of a water body than zebra mussels. 
Quagga mussels are very prolific and can form larger populations that can have a greater impact on a lake's ecosystem overall, especially in deep lakes. McGarity said even the lakes that already have zebra mussels are at risk of having quagga mussels. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, they alter the food web by filtering water and removing plankton from the water body that they inhabit. They also clog water intake pipes on boats and other watercraft. The National Park Service and TPWD will continue monitoring the reservoir for quagga mussel larvae as well as juvenile and adult mussels. To prevent the further spread of invasive mussels, everyone who uses Texas lakes is encouraged to clean their gear and watercraft, drain water from it, and dry it before entering and leaving Texas lakes. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market to wrap up the week on Friday, but corn and wheat finished higher. We'll look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded mixed on Friday. We ended up closing mixed on the live cattle market, lower on feeder cattle. In the live cattle trade, the nearby contracts were higher, deferreds lower. February live cattle up 45 at 142.05. April up 12 at 146.87. June live cattle down 15. 14137. Lower feeder market Friday, March feeders down 62 cents at 16610. The April down 37 at 17142. May feeder cattle dropped 27 cents 17535. Cash fed cattle trade for the week saw a range of about 138 to 140 here in the south. Most of our cattle sold at 140. That's up three to four dollars from last week. Up north, dressed sales range from 220 to 224, mostly right in the middle at 222. That's again four dollars higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef was lower on Friday. Choice down a dollar sixty, two seventy nine eighty six. Select down 45 at 276.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're going to walk the pins for Larry Marble. He's a bit down and out right now, so we're going to head to San Angelo and check in with Benny Cox. Benny, how was the latest sheep and goat sale you had there in San Angelo at Producers and Cargyle? Oh, we got along okay. We had 45.22. That's a pretty good number. A lot of small deals. Hardly any big deals mixed through there. Of course, you know, hardly any uh, wool lambs. Uh, the slaughter lambs, they were lower this week. Kind of 10 to 20, I'd say. 20 on some of those heavier 
you know, the heavier things, those over 80 pounds, those lightweights, uh, they had a hard time getting to $4. You know, we saw a good many of those over $4 the last couple of weeks. Uh, the slaughter you use, they sold a little softer, 5 to 10. Oh, my goodness, it's still is crazy good on those. Kid goats, they sold on the weak side, some of them $10 lower, I'd say. The slaughter nannies, from 190 to 266 mostly 220 to 240 And the slaughter billy sold in the range from $2 all the way up to 250 the range on your uh, air sheet type, and of course they're all going to slaughter. Three thirty to four ten, uh, four twelve on the lightweights, heavier weights. Oh, some of them big old yearling type around two sixty, all the way up to three eighty. Slaughter use one fifty to two hundred eight, but mostly one ninety to two dollars. That's nothing to that's nothing to frown at. Kid goats. It's over in range from three forty to four seventy, mostly in a range from three ninety to four or thirty, <clears throat> with some of these feeders all the way up to four eighty five. Well, Benny, I know you didn't sell on Thursday because of the weather. What do you have coming up next week? Uh, we've got a special cow sale coming up next week. I've got one consignment of 22 first calf pairs, a black cow. Some of them have a touch of ear, they said. But that's that's all I've got. Of course, this whole weather's going to clear out of here. We you know, we may gather up some more. I hope we uh, gather up enough uh, moisture to, to kind of change some attitudes around here. Uh, welcome any any amount. Many, how can folks contact you? They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. They can always look at the web producersandcargyle.com. That's Benny Cox with Producers and Cargyle in San Angelo. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished the week higher on Friday. February hogs up 57 cents, 87.02. April hogs up $1.70 at $100.07. Class 3 milk was higher Friday. February milk up 21 cents at 20.66 a hundredweight. March milk up 38 at 21.69. Profit-taking pushed the cotton market lower on Friday. It was a heck of a week for the cotton market as we hit contract highs in just about all of our cotton contracts throughout the week. March cotton finishing 88 points lower at 126.74. The October down 62, 108.46. December cotton down 7 at 103.81. In the grain markets, both corn and wheat finished higher. March corn up three and three quarters, six twenty and a half. New crop September corn up six and a quarter, five eighty-six. Wheat traders continuing to keep an eye on the Russia-Ukraine situation. Also keeping an eye on how much precipitation has fallen over the last week across the Great Plains. July, Kansas City wheat up sixteen cents Friday to close at seven ninety and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up nine and a half, seven sixty one and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas was down thirty seven cents, four fifty one. March crude oil up two oh seven at ninety two thirty four a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Friday afternoon. The Dow down twenty one points at thirty five thousand eighty nine. The Nasdaq up two nineteen at fourteen thousand ninety eight. The S&P up 23 at 4,500. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope we see you here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.